Are you ready to budget like a boss? We sit down and chat with Lexi Smith, who is a money coach on the GC. She used to be an ex-financial advisor about how do we actually budget and what are the categories that we should be budgeting for? Get your pen and paper out. Ready, ladies, because this one's a goodie. Welcome to the Ladies Finance Club podcast. I'm your host, Molly Benjamin, and I am thrilled that you're here with me today to talk all things money. Because let's face it, the world of finance can kind of feel overwhelming, a little bit male, pale, stale. But if you can get on top of your money, and we know you can, it will pay off big time. We're going to be chatting to the best experts in the country about how to build wealth and get on top of your money game so you can become financially fierce. It's easier than you think. Let's go get those dollar dollar bills, y'all. Hello, Lexi Smith. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on to talk to us about the B word, budgeting, because so many of us have negative connotations with this word, but we're going to be breaking it down today. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. So Lex, I wanted to start with like when it comes to budgeting and if you're feeling like a bit of a financial hot mess or maybe just a bit of a mess and you just feel like you don't have any control over anything, where is a good starting point? Just to start, just to get a blank piece of paper and put pen to paper and see what happens. So, you know, logging into your internet banking and just getting the income figure, your after-tax income figure and writing that down. And then brain dumping all of your expenses. Like it doesn't have to be hard. The hardest part is actually starting. Yeah, I love that. And I love just going back to basics as well. Just going, okay, list out all the things you can think of that you pay, all those expenses, and then you can compare. And I actually, when you've done this with clients before, because I know you do a lot of financial coaching, which we'll love to hear more about later, but also um, you do like these cash flow critiques. Are people surprised where they think their money's going versus where it's actually going? Very surprised, or rather not so much at the category, but the actual amount. So simple things like groceries, people think they have a pretty good idea of what they spend on groceries and they're able to quite confidently tell me what they think they spend. And that number is usually far higher than they ever anticipated. So there's no point in coming up with a budget if the data that you are putting into that budget is unrealistic. Great. So can you talk us through kind of like the process that works for your clients when they're trying to get their budget? Because I know I've spoken to coaches in the past and they like they do like a budget of what they think, they do an actual budget of where their money is going and then they do like a future budget of where they want to kind of be at. What's the process that you do with your clients? I wouldn't necessarily say there is just one process. I'm a very big believer in that there is no one size fits all. So it's about gathering as much information as possible to start with to see kind of, well, where does this client stand? What is their income and their expenses? What's their experience with money? What assets do they have? What debt do they have? Just where do we stand today? And what do you want to achieve in the future? And then it's kind of coming up with a plan to get there. So it doesn't necessarily involve a budget, but there are certain situations and certain people the budgets do work really well for. So for anyone who's listening at the moment, you know, they might want to kind of pause the podcast, go get that pen and paper, jot down all those expenses. What are kind of the different categories we need to be budgeting for? 
So you've got your standard kind of fixed expenses. So it's either your rent or your mortgage. You've got groceries, eating out, retail, and you can potentially break that down further or just use a broader category of retail. That is one area that a lot of people underestimate how much they actually spend. I was speaking to a client recently, it's a family of four with two young kids, and they're consistently over a 12-month period spending $350 a week on retail. So that totally blew their mind. They had no idea that it added up so quickly. Some other categories would be things like utilities, so water, electricity, car, so your normal rego, fuel, servicing, parking, tolls. There is a lot to kind of consider in lots of different categories. You might have kids' sport to consider or your own personal fitness and health, pets, beauty and self-care, telecommunications, so that's like phone and internet, We've got other things like fees, interests and fines. So that's something that people don't necessarily budget for. You don't want to be spending money on that. But if you've got those things happening, you can't ignore them. Alcohol, that's another area that is in a lot of people's expenditure. Subscriptions, the chemist, donations. This is something that I try to always highlight that I see a lot of people who are making donations to charity, but they're not putting their own oxygen mask on first. So I would encourage anyone that has high interest debt, when you're reviewing your budget or your spending plan or whatever name you want to give it, reflect on that and put your own oxygen mask on first. So it may be cancelling some of those subscriptions or donations and that kind of thing until you're in a better place at which point you can restart them. Yeah, fantastic. So when you do have those one-off big ones, like so we've got the car registration, maybe the insurances, things like that, what is a good way to budget those? Do you kind of just work it out, divide it by 12, and should you be keeping that money kind of somewhere separate where you can't touch it? What works for one person won't necessarily work for another. I did see on our registration papers that came in this week, there is now the option to do one month direct debits, at least in Queensland for Red Joe. So that might be an option for some people rather than having that annual or six monthly larger expense. Generally, you pay a little bit more to be able to pay that way. So I guess that ties in with how many bank accounts people want to have. So I'm someone who can quite comfortably just have one bank account and that's okay. It works for me. And then I've got other people that I've seen that have 21 bank accounts. So if you are one to want to allocate money, get your bigger bills, divide them by 12 and make sure you're having that amount transferred into that account, that's certainly an option, but it's not going to work for everyone. So it's about working through the different methods and ideas out there so that you can finally find something that just works for you. Yeah. And I know Barefoot made that bucket, you know, having those different buckets really popular when he bought out his book, Barefoot Investor, sorry, Scott Pape. Although sometimes, you know, that does work beautifully for people, for other times it won't work beautifully for people. And I know from like speaking to different members, like a challenge they find is not kind of moving money from an account to account. So being like, oh, I spent all the playing money or the fun money. And now I'm kind of pulling from that living expenses where I have been budgeting and putting my car insurance, my car rego. And then all of a sudden they're out of whack when it comes to paying those, those bigger annual bills. If that's something that you're experiencing, I would suggest that maybe what you've got set up isn't really working for you. It's not you that's broken, it's the system. So either reassessing what amounts that you've got allocated to certain things or just trying something completely different. 
And Rachel Cruz in the US, she's the daughter of Dave Ramsey, who is kind of like the American, slightly more religious out there version of Scott Pape. But she always talks that it takes around 90 days to sort out your budget. So this isn't something that you're going to do and you've automatically got, oh, my budget's done. Like it, it takes work. And the great thing with your budget is it's your budget. So you can move money around like, you know, and I really love how you say, you know, what works for one person isn't going to work for the other person. So with special occasions, I know we can sometimes forget special occasions and to budget for special occasions, and that can blow out the budget a little bit. So what do you do for special occasions, anniversaries, Christmas, kind of Easter holidays? What do you find works well for you or your clients when it comes to making sure you remember to budget for these things? Sometimes I think that budgeting for things like special occasions actually keeps people in a bit of a pay cycle, you know, paycheck to paycheck cycle, which might be a little bit of a controversial opinion. But in my opinion, you do not have to spend a lot on a special occasion to have a really happy, joyous occasion. I think so often we're on Instagram, we're seeing what other people are doing, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and give out, you know, we want the best for our children as an example, but that doesn't necessarily mean buying them copious amounts of gifts or spending a huge amount on them at Christmas. So kind of re-evaluating your values and making sure that any money that you're spending, it's to make you happy, not necessarily to have a facade of how you want to be perceived. I love that. And I know this is something that we're quite aligned on where it's like, we value experiences over lots of things in our lives. And I think at Christmas as well, like even with my family, we just stopped doing Christmas presents because we're like, we don't need more things in our lives. And likewise for birthdays, we just kind of give cash and I'm always like, buy investments. Yeah. And then with friends now, we just do a massive secret Santa. So you're just buying one thing because, you know, when people just give you like something small and it's so sweet or when, you know, people offer to send me stuff. I'm now just saying like, thank you so much, but I'm trying to reduce how much I keep in my life. And I'm trying to be really mindful of what I actually have in it because otherwise it just piles up and then you don't have space. You're trying to organize it, manage it. I'm really conscious as well of landfill. So that's something that is really important to me to try to limit my contribution to landfill unnecessarily. So yeah, reducing the amount spent on things like that. I'm, as you said, totally in alignment with you. So for anyone listening, we've got our piece of paper, we've written down our expenses, we've downloaded our bank statements. You have a little nifty trick where you can actually download your bank statements, don't you? And you can kind of work out how much you spent that month quite easily. Yeah, it's a pretty easy process jumping into internet banking. You do need to do it on a computer rather than your phone on the app. Navigating to transactions, changing the date range to whatever period you're looking at. It might be one month, it might be two months, six months, a year. And then exporting that as generally it's labeled as a CSV file, which is just a spreadsheet. So actually getting that data out into something that you may not have used a spreadsheet for a while. You may hate spreadsheets. You may love spreadsheets, but just getting that data out and just having a look at it. And there's some, as you say, really simple things you can do, like ordering the transactions by either amount or the expense rather than the date. So you can kind of group all expenses together. So it might be grouping all your Woolworths transactions together and looking at what you're spending on groceries, that kind of thing. 
Fantastic. And how important is it that you do that pre-work? So you actually look at, okay, what am I currently spending before you kind of put together the new spending plan or the new kind of budget? In my experience, where budgets tend to fail is because that data that's been input, it's just not realistic. So getting that data first and looking at where has your money been going and then translating that into a budget to see, well, do you have a surplus? Are you earning more than you're spending or do you have a deficit? Are you spending more than you're earning? It's really important to just get the actual real data rather than making assumptions around this. Okay, piece of paper done, bank statements downloaded going, okay, wow, I'm spending, you know, X amount on cheese. I had no idea. You have a bit of a system to actually kind of work out what are those kind of needs and wants? Yeah, so it's called the traffic light activity and it's super simple. You don't have to do it every month or anything like that. It can be a one-off thing that you do, but it can be really eye-opening. So for those who don't necessarily want to get down into the detail but want to reflect, we have three different colors that we highlight our transactions and normally we'd only do it for, say, a one-month period. So if there's any transactions in your one-month period that you had to spend money on, so it's groceries, it's the electricity bill, it's the rent, things like that, you highlight those green. They are fine, totally okay expenses. On the flip side of that, you've got the red transactions. So that might be things that when you're reflecting in hindsight, you wish you hadn't have actually spent that money. So for me, (laughs) I bought some smoked salmon for my lunches and never ate it. I regret that purchase. But it might be that you didn't impulse spend or that you spent more than you planned on something. And then you've got the orange expenses. So the orange ones, are it's debatable. It's not necessarily green. It's not really red. It's somewhere in the middle. Okay. So once we've done that, then looking at ways of going forward and managing our money, we can do it obviously like in a spreadsheet, an Excel. That's not how I personally work. I'm not a big spreadsheet person. I do like apps and I know there's WeMoney and Frollo are some great free apps out there. Or, you know, some people, they set up the bucket method as well. That was made famous by Scott Pate, Barefoot Investor. Looking at a couple of those different methods, could you maybe just break down, you know, what is the 50, 30, 20 method, zero-based budgeting method? And I know I'm giving you lots of questions here, so we'll break them down. But also really interested to hear like from all your clients, if you had to kind of look at the data, what works best for them? And I know everyone is different, but like if you had to say, this is what I'm seeing is popular and working for clients at the moment, what way is that? So in terms of what is more popular, I'm a big advocate of mindful and intentional spending, which is where you don't actually have a budget, but you really think twice about every single thing that you spend money on and really assess whether that's moving you closer to your goals, whether it makes you truly happy. When you've got things that are like the 50, 30, 20 method, that is another loose way to do things whereby you look at your income, it might be $5,000 a month and you work out, well, 50% of that, which is the 50 part of 50, 30, 20 goes towards your needs. So it's things like housing, groceries, bills. Then you've got 30% going towards your needs. So that's things like eating out, retail, might be hobbies. And then the other 20% is meant to be allocated towards future you. So it might be savings, investments, or even extra debt repayments. So that 50, 30, 20, it doesn't have to be 50, 30, 20. It might be 40, 30, 30. And then you've got the 
zero-based budgeting. So the zero-based budgeting is giving every dollar a job. So of those $5,000, every single one of those dollars gets a job. So it might be towards certain bills or certain goals, but at the end of the day, you've got nothing left because everything has been allocated. Everything has got a job. So they are a few different ways that you can do things. So reiterating again, what works for one person won't necessarily work for another. If what you're doing now isn't working, try something else. Reach out to either a financial counselor or a financial coach and see what other methods they might suggest based on your particular situation. And I always love hearing how different people budget. So also feel free to head over to our Facebook group, Ladies Finance Club Money Chat, and let us know how you budget in there as well. I know for me personally, I do the 50, 30, 20 rule, but not necessarily those exact percentages, but I do have a number of different accounts. I have an account for my goal, which is to buy property. So to buy a house, I have an account, which is just for my living expenses. I have an account, which is just for my fund money. And I've set it up so every week new fund money hits that fund money account. So I know how much I have to spend for a week. I tried to do it for a month, but I just went bananas in the first week and would just try and like spend all the money. And then another one for those expenses that I just want to keep an eye on. So like my food, fuel, and some of those incidentals as well, just so I know when I'm coming close to kind of going over those ones. So what kind of mistakes are you seeing people make with their budgets? Like, see, I know I see some common ones, but yeah, I was really curious to find out what do you see? Typically, the people that I'm in front of, they either don't already have a budget or they're not interested in having a budget. So I wouldn't necessarily say I see a lot of budgeting mistakes apart from the ones where they've got everything listed out. But then when we look at those transactions, when we download that transaction history, they are not aligned at all. The numbers just are completely out. Yeah. I mean, a couple I see as well as people forgetting about budgeting for like special occasions or forgetting to budget for holidays and things like that. And then also not having an OMG fund or an emergency fund. So when something happens, they have to either put it on credit card or they have to kind of put their budget out of whack to pay for that thing. And another one I see, which I find quite common is just when someone has no goal, they're not saving for anything and they're just kind of frittering money away because they're like, oh, well, I've got income. It's there for spending. And when there's no clear goal, that's where I find people's budgets kind of can be out of whack because they've got no accountability. They've got nothing that's driving them towards a certain goal. It's that balance between YOLO and, you know, achieving those bigger life goals, even if you don't necessarily have them written down, everyone has something that they're striving to achieve. So with bank accounts, how many bank accounts should you have set up or minimum should you have set up? A minimum is one somewhere to get your income. (laughs) I know I keep coming back to this, but there is no right number. You might read articles to say that there are, but in my experience, there is no one size fits all. It's a bit like saying, what's the best way to exercise? Like, is it the gym? Is it at home? Is it a boot camp? Is it walking? Is it dancing? No one size fits all. So in terms of the number of bank accounts, I would say the client that I had that had 21 bank accounts, that was a huge mess and it was not working for her. So I think 20 is too excessive. So anywhere between one and 21, I would say. And what is the difference between a money coach and a financial advisor? Just really quickly. Yeah. So we've touched on financial counseling. Financial advisors can give you advice on what to invest in, what super contributions to make, what insurance you need to have. And the cost associated with that is $3,000 plus typically. 
Financial coaching is a much more affordable way, but you're not given specific advice. So it's more around cash flow and accountability, but you can have a session for $150. So it depends on where you're at as to what type of service you might be best suited to. Awesome. And what's one of the craziest things you've seen money spent on? That is a very good question. Something that really sticks in my mind was a client that I had whose after-tax income was $50,000 a year. And she had spent in a 12-month period nearly $11,000 on apps and games on her phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when I say I've seen it all, I really mean I've seen it all. So if anyone's feeling like embarrassed or not wanting to kind of face all of this, I would strongly encourage you to just reach out because I guarantee you I have seen much worse. So that was, yeah, will stick in my mind for a long time, I think. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And now we've got some questions that we're asking all our speakers. So the first one is, what is a recent purchase you regret? Apart from the smoked salmon. (laughs) (laughs) I was in an op shop the other day dropping off some stuff and I saw some gems in there, like really, really cheap designer stuff. And so I thought, oh, beauty, you might be able to resell that bit of extra income just for the fun of it. And I have not found the time to resell that stuff. So now it's in my house and I regret buying it. That reminds me of something I've bought recently. I was in an op shop as well. And there was this nice green top from Seed and I was like, oh, what a find. But I didn't have time to try it on. So then bought it, got home, tried it on, looked horrendous. So now I'm just going to take it back to the op shop. I was like, ah, it was a learning. Least you uh, supported that charity, right? I did, exactly. You know, just just donating. And how do you, I know we've spoken about this, but just because we're asking all speakers, how do you budget spreadsheet, head, app or buckets? I just do my annual cash flow critiques for our family. So looking at the real transactions in the last 12 months and reflecting on those. Awesome. And where did you grow up and did you think you would ever end up in a career talking about finance or teaching women about how to be better with money? I was born in Sweden, grew up on the Gold Coast, and there was a period where I wanted to be a forensic investigator. I think I was watching too much CSI as a kid. But then probably since about year nine or 10, that's when I decided I was going to be an advisor. Did that for 10 years and now doing financial coaching. What's the best piece of advice you got about money? I'm not necessarily sure it would be the best, but the one that has always stuck in my mind. And it actually came from my mom. And she said, if you have to lay by it, you can't afford it. And so that translates into today's language. If you have to after pay it, you can't afford it. And so that one thing always in your mind, if you can take that on, you'll probably see a big change in your finances. What is the best piece of advice you wish you had listened to, but you didn't? With my daughter, firstborn, people told me like embrace being nap trapped. And I was like, I did do that, but I also tried to like get her to sleep in her own bed in the day and stuff. And second child, I'm like, I am embracing being nap trapped. So I wish I listened the first time. Love that. What are some of your favorite podcasts or what are you reading at the moment? If you don't already listen to this, Molly, you have to listen to it. It's called Clutterbug. So it's all about decluttering and organizing your home and ties in with our values about adding to landfill and not having all that stuff because, you know, that's a big weight on our shoulders. So if you haven't ever listened to Clutterbug, she's in Canada and really easy to listen to. Definitely recommend. We'll check it out. And if you had to be in a reality TV show, what would it be? 
I have not watched reality TV since I was probably in primary school. So the only reality TV show that I actually know that I've watched is probably Big Brother, but I'm not sure I would want to be on it. Handing out money hacks left, right and center. And And finally, a life hack that you love but you don't think many people know about. For instance, mine was watching videos back on double speed or like having a password manager, that kind of stuff. I thought that everyone knew this and did this, but apparently they don't. And boiling the water in a kettle before adding it to your saucepan for things like pasta. When you've got kids at your feet annoying you, that is like total game changer. And where can people find you in the great big wide world? On Instagram, moneyvine.au, or I do have a Facebook group too, the Savvy Sisters on Facebook. So yeah, come and join us. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lexi, for talking all things money budgeting with Ladies Finance Club. And we'll pop in the show notes where exactly you can find Lexi online. Thanks so much, Molly. 